Hey there, I'm Tyler, the author and host of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. The original recording of this episode wasn't quite adequate enough, so I've re-recorded it and labeled it with the term Redux. It's a true workhorse of an episode now, and believe me, it's much better than it was. Enjoy. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 5 The Tin Woodman The Living Forest Part 1 Dorothy invited the Scarecrow to join her on her trip to see the wizard. He accepted the offer with great delight, as he knew the seamstress was more than likely dead by now. He also knew that if he stayed in the forest, he ran the risk of another run-in with his previous captor. Together, the two of them pushed through the woods, the yellow light visible only to Dorothy. Sometimes it shined in the form of a golden glow around the edges of her eyes. Other times, the ground appeared golden yellow, and occasionally, it would even take the form of an object, like a tree or a large rock. No matter what form it appeared in, though, it was always there. As they trekked through the woods, the light began to dim as the trees grew thicker and thicker. It never completely disappeared, but it wasn't always easy to see, either. Travel was becoming more and more difficult with each passing step. Scarecrow kept getting the fabric of his body caught on low-lying branches and thicket, and on more than one occasion, they had to stop so he could patch himself back up. How big is this forest? asked Dorothy. The Scarecrow just shrugged at the question. He had no idea, because he had never been out of it. He had never even been this far into it, for that matter. Eventually, the thick, dark forest ended, and they came into a much lighter, airier locale. Apple, orange, and peach trees, among other types of fruit trees, were all around them. And they were all bearing large fruits in large quantities. Unlike the giant threatening spear-like pines of the previous area, these were fat trees with twisted trunks. Dorothy had a strange, unsettling feeling about this place. She felt as though she was being watched. She just did not know by who, or by what. Occasionally, out of the corner of her eyes, she would notice the trees moving. But when she turned to look for a closer inspection, they always remained still. She spotted one tree in particular, though that looked as though it had a large unwelcoming face within its trunk. This caught her attention and begged for a closer look, 
As she approached it, the face seemed to disappear, as though it was never there in the first place. Just a trick of perspective, she thought to herself. What's wrong? asked the scarecrow, watching Dorothy with curiosity as she examined the tree. <laughs> I swear this tree was looking at me, she replied. She rubbed her eyes out of exhaustion. It was probably nothing, just my imagination, I'm sure. It was at that very moment Scarecrow felt a strange sensation in his head. He would have called it déjà vu had he known the term. There was something about the forest he was supposed to remember, something important that he had been told by the seamstress long ago. He was sure it was something about the trees. But what was it? You're probably just tired, replied the scarecrow, leaving his former train of thought behind. The trees can't look at you. <laughs> Can they? Hmm. I guess I don't really know much about trees. But they can't look at you, because they don't have eyes. Do they? Dorothy turned her attention from the tree and back to her strange, straw-filled friend. No, it could not have looked at me. Trees do not have eyes. <laughs> I'm sure it's just my mind playing tricks on me. It's probably just my body telling me I need to eat something. She looked around and spotted a low-hanging branch with a large, red apple dangling from it. She placed her hand to it and examined it without picking it. I've never seen an apple so big, she said in awe of the giant fruit. It's as big as my head. And it was as big as her head. Actually, a little bit bigger. I've never seen an apple, replied the scarecrow, as he walked over to her and examined the strange red fruit. It was so shiny and perfect that he could see his reflection in it. Well, maybe I have. It looks vaguely familiar. In the reflection of the skin of the apple, he saw behind him what looked like a man falling from the sky and landing on the hard forest floor. He jumped and turned around to see what it was, but there was nothing there. What's gotten into you? asked Dorothy with a slight giggle. You didn't see that? asked Scarecrow, pointing to the distance. There was a man. He looked at Dorothy and could tell that she did not witness the same thing. Never mind. It must have just been my imagination. I didn't realize I had one, but I guess I do. <laughs> As they progressed a bit further into the woods, Dorothy spotted a large peach the size of her fist and ran up to it. Perfect, she exclaimed as she picked it. It was the sweetest, most delicious fruit she had ever eaten. The juice ran down her chin as she pulled it away from her mouth, chewing and looking at it in amazement. Good God, she said with a mouthful. I can't believe how good this is. She took another bite, 
and another, and another. Before long, it was gone. Scarecrow looked around and picked a smaller one, and curiously took a bite out of it. Not bad, he said as he continued to eat it. He did not have to eat to survive, but he could if he wanted to. His sense of taste, although dull compared to the rest of the world, was still good enough to make it worth eating a tasty treat from time to time. To him, the peach tasted like a fresh-picked Georgia peach from Dorothy's world. As the two of them wandered through the woods, they took fruit from every tree, pears, oranges, plums, peaches, and apples. They took far more than they needed, and ate less than they took, leaving behind a trail of half-eaten and only sampled fruits lying on the forest floor. After a while, the trees began to raise their branches out of reach, but neither Dorothy nor Scarecrow noticed. Scarecrow jumped as he noticed the ground shaking slightly beneath his feet, accompanied by the sound of a loud thump and rustling leaves. He turned to look back, then turned to look at Dorothy, who in her gluttony failed to notice. Did you feel that? Scarecrow asked. The ground, it moved. Dorothy stopped and looked at him with concern. Are you sure you're feeling all right? She asked. You've been a little jumpy since we've been in the orchard. Scarecrow just looked at her, annoyed and insulted. Well, I would feel a lot better if you would just pay a little bit more attention. If I wasn't the only one aware that something was going on here. Dorothy was taken aback by his strange snap. She did not know what to say, so she said nothing and turned back around. They walked in uncomfortable silence for another ten minutes or so before the ground shook again. This time, it was almost enough to knock the two of them to the ground. Dorothy turned around, as did the scarecrow and together they watched as the trees began to shake. They heard a loud ripping noise, followed by another loud ripping noise, followed by a loud thump, thump. They watched as the trees in front of them uprooted, each pulling short, stubby legs from the ground, and moved to one side or another. After the trees split, they saw it, a large tree, much larger than any of the ones they had seen before it, and it was walking straight for them. It stopped a few feet away from Dorothy. A large, ugly face grew out of its trunk. First, a fat lower lip that stuck out so far it almost touched her, followed by an upper lip, not entirely unlike the lower. Second, a large, bulbous nose. It let out a loud snort, spewing out a cloud of sawdust. Third, and finally, two large, angry eyes formed underneath a furrowed brow of twisted bark. You stole, 
it said in a deep, thunderous voice. We didn't steal. I, I didn't steal, Dorothy stammered. I mean, what did, what did we steal? I mean, I mean, what? What? A thin branch violently burst from one side of the tree, forming an arm with a loud, popping crack. A second arm burst from the other side. As the tree reached out to Dorothy's face, it sprouted five long wooden stick fingers. She watched as each finger, one by one, sprouted a fruit she had taken. A pear, orange, plum, peach, and an apple. Dorothy looked at the fruit and watched as it all wilted and shriveled into a black mush. Shit, she said. I... I... I had no idea. You have to believe me. I had no idea. She held her hand out in an effort to keep the tree from advancing as she began to retreat. In reality, she was hoping the tree would see the ring and back off. She was not so lucky. The large plant grabbed her by the neck. Its rough, woody fingers wrapped clear around and raised her up several feet into the air. It smiled and laughed as Dorothy gasped and choked, desperately trying to pry its bony wooden fingers off of her. The scarecrow ran up to the tree and began hitting it. His attack, of course, was useless. Being a scarecrow, and made of straw and burlap, afforded him only as much strength as a frail old man. This light, useless attack was thwarted when another tree grabbed him from behind and lifted him from the ground as well. Too scared to make a sound, he remained silent. The tree holding Dorothy turned her around to see her fellow traveler. We take what was taken. Dorothy watched in horror as the scarecrow's head was ripped from his body and thrown to the ground. She would have screamed if her windpipe was not being crushed. All she could do was watch as the other tree continued its assault. It reached into the hole where the scarecrow's head once was, and continued to pull out tufts of straw and fruity mush from his stomach, only to shovel it back in to its gaping mouth. The tree holding Dorothy turned her around to face himself once more. He had a sickeningly evil grin as he reached his other hand up and placed it on top of her head. He clenched his long, branchy fingers tightly and began to pull slowly. Dorothy had never felt a pain so intense in her life. The pressure around her skull, the pulling sensation, coupled with the popping sound as her head was getting closer and closer to separation. Her vision began to blur and fade when the tree suddenly screamed out in pain. Dorothy fell to the ground and watched as best she could, as the face of the tree disappeared back into its trunk. It reappeared on the other side, only to find an axe buried between its eyes. Much to the tree's chagrin, 
it found itself face to face with the forest's worst enemy. Any tree's biggest fear. Tin, woodman, it screamed. You are just a myth. The tree began shaking violently until its assailant fell to the ground, empty-handed. <laughs> a myth. No, no, no. There is no one in this world more real than I, the Tin Woodman. He replied with a slight southern accent. Dorothy looked onward in disbelief. A man made of tin. Not only that, but he was fighting a giant tree. God, Jesus, this is fucking ridiculous, she said quietly to herself. She looked him up and down, examining him to the best of her ability, as her eyesight came back in to focus. The strange metal man was fairly tall and fairly shiny. His metal fingers appeared to be sharpened to fine points, and his feet were similar. He didn't have individual toes, just big, almost cone-shaped feet that came to points. He was basically a suit of armor. She turned just in time to see the other tree drop the scarecrow and shuffle away in fear. She ran to him and quickly reattached his head with the spool and needle he kept in his front pocket. I think it's about time we finish this, said the tin woodman, wiggling his sharp fingers at his side. I've been looking for you for a long, long time. Almost as long as I've had this body of mine. The tree looked at him. You silly little man. You think. <laughs> you, you think you can stop me? <laughs> the tree began to move toward his shiny adversary, axe still buried between his eyes. The woodman charged in return. As he approached the tree, he raised his hands and sank his claws into his large lower lip. He climbed up with ease and finesse until he reached his axe once more. He buried his sharp feet into the tree's nose and pulled the blade out with relative ease. He planted it once more between the eyes, this time deeper and harder than before, with such brute force that it resulted in a loud cracking sound as the tree's wooden face split wide open. It let out a blood-curdling cry of pain as the woodman pulled his axe out and jumped back to the ground. Dorothy still couldn't believe what she was seeing. Its face sunk back in once again, only to reappear, looking at his original prey. It lunged at her, reaching out to grab her, to get its revenge before its death. 
She screamed as she fell back in true horror movie cliché and watched as its arms and hands began to petrify slowly. She watched as the tree froze in place just inches away from her as she clenched the scarecrow tightly in her arms, like a child with a teddy bear in a thunderstorm. I am the Tin Woodman, screamed Dorothy's shiny savior as he approached her axe in hand. He looked around at all the trees brave enough to still show their faces in their trunks. And if you have a problem with this young woman and her flannel friend, then you have a problem with me. The trees all firmly rooted themselves back in the ground, and one by one their faces disappeared. One tree even extended a branch and dropped several apples in front of Dorothy as she finished reattaching the scarecrow's head. Dorothy looked up to see the woodman approaching her. He was a strange figure, tall and very masculine, but not bulky. He did not wear clothes, and his body was covered in dents and scratches. She had a hard time telling if he was a man inside a suit of armor, or if he was simply a man made of metal that just happened to look like a suit of armor. Upon closer inspection, she noticed his eyes were hollow. In fact, when the light hit his face just right, you could see clear to the back of his head. He was not a man in a suit of armor, and Dorothy could not decide if this bizarre turn of events was any more strange than her saving and befriending a talking scarecrow. The still wary scarecrow came back to life and stood beside Dorothy. He looked around and saw all the trees planted once again in the ground. He noticed the large, petrified, angry tree in front of him and quickly turned to his fellow traveler. <laughs> Did I do it? He asked in complete astonishment. <laughs> Did I really save you? Dorothy looked at him. At this moment, she felt a slight sense of pity for him. She felt sorry for him, like one feels sorry for a dog chasing a car, as though it thinks it might actually catch up to it one day. No, she said solemnly, shaking her head. It was the Tin Woodman who saved me. Saved us. She tilted her head toward the shiny, statuesque figure beside her. The scarecrow looked over and saw the strange man and gave a slight, startled jump back. Where did you come from? The tin woodman just looked at him. Even though he had no eyes in his head, he always made it clear as to who or what he was looking at. There's no way to treat the guy that just saved your life, he said with an understandably offended tone in his voice. Where is it you two are headed anyway? he asked, turning his eyes directly to Dorothy. As Dorothy said, Emerald, her straw-filled companion said, Nowhere. Emerald, asked the woodman. Well... 
It just so happens I'm headed that way as well. Maybe I could tag along with you. As Dorothy said, Sure, why not? The Scarecrow said, Sorry, but no thanks. They both exchanged glances as Scarecrow took her arm and walked her a few feet away from the stranger. We hardly know this guy, he said. Are you sure it's a good idea to just let him go with us? What if he's crazy? I can still hear you, said the woodman in a loud voice. You're only three feet away from me. You're not even whispering. Dorothy pulled her hand away from the scarecrow and turned back to the tin woodman. You're welcome to join us. As she picked up her backpack, the silver ring adorning her finger caught a stray beam of light peeking through the trees. The reflection zipped across the tin woodman's face. Dorothy did not notice, nor did the scarecrow, and the tin woodman pretended not to.